Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to begin to look at um, what it means to be the church. Maybe I think just remind ourselves. It's not so much that we're going to rethink how uh, we do church as much as it is, is that we're going to be reminded of how uh, God um, has shaped the body of Christ and how God calls us to be his hands and his feet. And so uh, today uh, we are going to take a look at um, three reminders from Scripture of um, how God has called his people um, throughout uh, history. And so uh, we are going to begin by taking a look at uh, um, a passage in Micah, not in Isaiah. Let's try again. There we go. In Micah chapter 6. Um, and, and I call these passages, actually I adopted this from uh, Michael Slaughter, um, who is a now a retired pastor in the Ohio West Conference. Um, uh, used to say there were three mandates that God gave us. He gave us the great requirement, the great commandment, and the great commission. Um, and when we put those together, we end up with a great community of followers. And so I begin with this passage from um, Micah chapter 6. And um, you may recall this is um, the, the prophet Micah was speaking uh, to the people of Judah shortly after Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, was uh, overrun by Assyria and the southern kingdom of Judah was threatened. And they're wondering, what in the world do we need to do? Wondering uh, why all of this was happening. And um, Micah was reminding them uh, that uh, after years and years and years of ignoring God's call to turn and to follow him, to turn away from idols, um, to participate in his um, ministry and his mission and demonstrating uh, um, what it looked like to be the people of God, uh, that uh, Micah was uh, speaking these words of God. And someone stand up and, and said, so what is it that God expects of us? And the prophet Micah says these words, he has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with God. I am sure that we have heard these words um, many, many times. Um, but uh, this is a, a passage of Scripture um, in which God is telling the people of Judah what it is that he expects from them. It's not that he expects these rituals uh, of worship um, or only these, wor uh, these rituals of worship, uh, but he also expects people to participate in his mission and his ministry, not just to talk about it. And so uh, these three things, he says, to do justice. In other words, um, indifference is not acceptable. And over and over and over again, as we, we touched a little bit on this last week, over and over and over again throughout Scripture, God calls his people to speak up for the voiceless and the outcast, to uh, speak up for the oppressed people. And, and he usually does this by reminding Israel that they at one time were an oppressed people in Egypt and they know what that feels like. And so God says, because you know what that feels like and because you know that I rescued you from that, then if you're going to participate in uh, my mission to the world to reconcile the whole world, 
you will indeed participate in this ministry that reaches out and seeks to undo injustice and to fight for justice. Um, in, the, in the New Testament, we would say if we paid attention to Jesus' teachings, that this means that, that we are called to go where Jesus goes, that we are called to do what Jesus is doing, and we are called to be what Jesus was for other people. We're not called just to talk about things, but we are called to participate in undoing injustice. Now, the other thing that Micah says is that he says that we are, we are called to, um, to embrace faithful love, is the way it's in the common English, to embrace faithful love. We probably are used to hearing that in other versions where it says to love mercy. But I think to embrace faithful love um, is a little bit more accurate about what the prophet is saying and what God says to his people uh, because this is not just um, loving, being merciful to people, uh, but um, to say that we embrace a faithful love is, is to talk about a commitment that God's people are called to make to both God and to each other. Uh, this call to embrace a faithful love is actually a call to, to embrace being the covenant people of God. It is not just a love that is about feelings and emotions, but it is a love that is about commitment. It's more uh, like the love that God calls us to have between a husband and a wife, a love uh, that may not always get along, uh, a love that uh, even in the midst of differences, uh, we are committed to one another. We are committed to God to stick with it, uh, to be there and to be with God and to hear and to listen. And so um, we are called to do justice and we are called to embrace this faithful love in, in which we make a commitment to God and to other people of God. And then the other thing that Micah says is that we are called to walk uh, humbly with God. And I think um, if we put this together with the other two, what Micah is saying is that, that we are called um, to do all of this with God. We are called to set aside our own agendas. We are called to listen to God speak to us and to understand where God is calling each of us to participate in his mission and his ministries in and to the world. And so we are called to listen to God's voice as we do this justice and as we embrace this faithful love. Now, the other passage I want to read from is from uh, John. Actually, uh, John 13 and John 15. In this passage of Scripture, um, Jesus is teaching his disciples before his death, and, and uh, this is uh, actually a part of a long farewell discourse in which Jesus is engaging his disciples, uh, telling them what is to come, and preparing them. And we, we are all familiar with the great commandment. Yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, we're used to hearing it in that way. But I like the way that Jesus says it to his disciples in John. And actually, he says it um, close to the beginning of this discourse and then again at the end. And so I'm going to read from both of those passages. In John 13, 
uh, 34 and 35, he says it this way. Um, I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. And then over in uh, chapter 15, uh, beginning in uh, verse 13, again, he says this again to his disciples. This is at the same dinner, it appears, as, we, as we're reading uh, John. And he says, this is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer. Again, um, I love the way that Jesus puts it in this passage because it's not just love your neighbors as you love yourself, but it is love each other in the way that Jesus has loved us. I think that may take it a step above um, just saying to love our neighbors as we want to be treated or as ourselves. And, and the other thing I love about this uh, passage in John, while, while certainly throughout his ministry, Jesus talks about the importance of followers of God uh, loving all people, uh, loving people who are different from us, loving the strangers, um, I think in this passage, Jesus seems to be emphasizing not just the love of other people, but I think he's emphasizing the love that the disciples have for one another, the love that the people in, in the body of Christ are called to have for one another. Now, just think about that. Um, it, it is uh, sometimes we do like to talk about Jesus says, love your love your enemies. Right. Um, or Jesus says, love other people. And sometimes I wonder, maybe if we just begin with the people in the body of Christ, loving each other the way that Jesus loved them. Then those other things might become a little bit easier for us. Yes. Uh, so often in the church today, um, what happens is we really don't struggle and wrestle with each other in the midst uh, of ministry and in the midst of what is going on. Too often in the, in the church today, when there is some disagreement, churches break up or people get upset, um, too often we don't love one another in the way that Jesus loved his disciples. Too often in the church today, we don't love each other enough to have uh, difficult conversations or dialogue with each other to truly try to understand what Scripture says to us and how Scripture speaks to us. We don't uh, seem to be able to love one another enough to say, you know, I think maybe you're wrong there. Can we have a conversation about that and about uh, what I see and how um, I read or understand scripture, um, and how I see God calling us as a church to, to do things. Does that make sense? Sometimes I think uh, that rather than loving each other, like I, like I mean, if you're a part of a family, and you love each other, right? Uh, you don't hesitate to let each other know when um, they've done something to upset you, right? Yes? 
okay? Um, and sometimes in the church, the way that we handle that is instead of, of sitting down with the person and saying, hey, this is what has happened, um, we would rather like go post it on Facebook or uh, tell three other people before we talk with the person that we have issues with, yes? You know, I, I appreciate this week I had several folks reach out to me um, um, many with encouraging words, but there were, there were a few folks who reached out to me uh, based on the sermon last week, and they said, um, uh, we appreciate the sermon, but uh, there's this point where I'm not sure I agree with you, and, um, and then they gave me their perspective and their insight. Um, I greatly appreciate um, those types of things, because um, in, um, let's see, at least in a couple of those cases, it made me rethink the way that I said things. And it's like, yeah, I could have said that a little bit better and been a little bit clearer about what it meant or what, um, how I interpreted the scripture. You see, I think Jesus is saying in this passage when he says and calls for us to love each other as he has loved us, he is calling us to have difficult conversations with each other, but he is also calling us to remain in connection with each other. Think about the disciples themselves. Think about the interactions that Paul and then the disciples had when they had conversations around how and whether the Gentiles should be included in the followers of Jesus. Uh, if you look at those passages of Scripture... They weren't just nice to each other when they were having those discussions. They, they shared their places that they were coming from and their insights, and they worked it out together, and they came to a consensus of how the Gentiles would indeed be welcomed with open arms into the followers of Christ. And so uh, this idea of loving each other the way uh, that Jesus loved us is a call for us to remain connected to each other, to listen to one another, uh, to care deeply for one another, even when we have our differences. And in fact, in this passage, uh, Jesus um, says, love each other just as I have loved you. Um, sacrifice yourself and your agendas to, uh, for the sake of others. In other words, Jesus says he lays down his life for the sake of those whom he loved. And he says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. Sometimes I worry that the world sees how the body of Christ interacts with each other. And they, and they hear us say, God is love, and they just shake their heads and say, they can't even love one another. So scripture clearly calls us to be in committed, loving relationship as a body of Christ and certainly as a local church. And so I think it's important for us to hear the words of Micah and the words uh, of John. I think it's also important for us to hear the words from Matthew um, 28. Again, um, I don't believe that these words will be anything new to us. 
I don't think any of the scripture we've read today, hopefully it's not uh, passages that you've never heard before, uh, but here's what we read in Matthew 28. Uh, this is known as the Great Commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. And he said, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the ends of the present age. Now, in this passage, um, I find it interesting that um, really the only verb in this passage is make. If you were to read this in the Greek, what you would read is it says, make disciples of Jesus by going to all the nations, by baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey the commandments of God. And so if we are to hear God's message, if we are to be the church of God, um, we also have to be about um, coming alongside others in this journey. We have to be uh, disciples of Jesus who are about reproducing and making more disciples of Jesus. And so not only is the church called to do justice and to be committed to one another, but the church, as we journey in our own discipleship, we are called to share and to demonstrate so that others might become disciples of Jesus Christ. And in this passage, um, Jesus says we make disciples by building buildings and telling people to come and join us. No, right? He, he doesn't say we make disciples by gathering in a space and inviting anybody who might be interested to come. He says we make disciples by going. And the whole book of Acts is about the disciples going. Going to where uh, people are who don't know anything about Christ and demonstrating his love by doing justice, but also sharing the gospel and the good news that they, that they uh, can experience God's love and God's healing, that they can be a part of the family of God. And the second thing, I find it interesting, the second thing is uh, by baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes when we think about folks becoming a part of the body of Christ, we think first that they have to uh, behave, right? They have to behave in a certain way before they can become a part of the body of Christ. But Jesus says um, we go and we baptize. And baptism is this idea that they are become a part of the family of God. Uh, they become reconciled to God. They, they learn that God is for them and not against them, and they are invited to belong to the family of God before they have their act together. I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you all, but I am thankful that I was able to belong to the body of Christ 
before I had my act together. Uh, because uh, some of you may say, uh, one of these days, maybe you'll get your act together. I, I can even be a pastor without having all of my act together. That's how the grace of God works. And then the third part of this great commission, to make disciples by going, by baptizing, is teaching folks about the ways of Christ. It's about journeying along people. It's about being a part, an ongoing part of communities of faith in which we expect our lives to be changed and transformed. We invite people into the body of Christ, not because we think that they are, are perfect and there's, and there's nothing else they need to do. We invite people into the body of Christ, not just so we give them a ticket and say, there you go. When you die, you go to heaven. We invite people into the body of Christ because all of us, all of us need to continue to allow the spirit to shape us and form us and transform us so that we are better able to do the great requirement of, of doing justice, of embracing faithful love, of walking humbly with God, so that we are better able to love each other in the way that Christ loved us. So that we become a better examples and demonstrations of Jesus and his life. In other words, it seems like to me, uh, as I read these three passages, we are called to be a church that um, lives like Jesus, that loves like Jesus, so that we might reproduce and so that we truly might make a difference in the lives of others because we introduce them to Jesus and his good news. And they come alongside us and journey in this um, transformation in which we become more and more like Christ each and every day. So it seems to me, whatever we have to say about the church today, uh, we need to keep these three passages of Scripture in mind. Um, we are called to act, not just to talk. Uh, we are um, called to uh, be faithful and in uh, commitment and covenant with one another. We are called to listen to God and God's word and together, together to journey and, and allow the spirit to continue to shape us as we come together as the body of Christ. And so as we think about what it means to be the church in, in the coming weeks, let us keep these passages in mind and let us ask ourselves, how are we doing as a body of Christ, not just as individuals, in fulfilling um, these three uh, mandates from God that we find in Scripture? Let us pray. Gracious God, as we come together this day, as we continue to uh, think about what it means to be your people in this day and this time. May you continue to um, draw us back to your word so that we have a clear picture of your expectations uh, of, of the people of God. And we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.